Okay, let's go on to your last patient. So this is a 47-year-old woman who was originally seen in December of 2002. She had been experiencing some abdominal discomfort, some constipation, intermittently experiencing diarrhea. She had undergone a colonoscopy, and there was a near-obstructing lesion at the level of the ascending colon, and she had a hemoglobin 9.1. The patient had a resection of the tumor. It was T3N0. It was well differentiated. There were 27 nodes. They were negative. The patient did go on 5-FU leucovorin at that time, and she tolerated this therapy quite well. She had no evidence of recurrence either by CAT scan or colonoscopy for the next several years. And she had some personal challenges. Her marriage fell apart. She had a brother with whom she was very, very close who was in a motor vehicle accident, and he was severely debilitated by that, and that precipitated quite a bout of depression. In May of 07, the patient came back on a routine visit. She had a minimal rise in her CEA. She had a follow-up study of a CAT scan that showed that there was a lesion in the left lateral segment of the liver. She had a resection of this lesion, and then subsequently she was treated with Zelox and Bevacizumab. That treatment was well tolerated, and it concluded in October of 2008. Once again, the patient was doing well. However, it was in the late spring, early summer of 2009 that a follow-up CAT scan showed that there was progression not only of the liver lesion, but there were new lung lesions at the time. The biopsy of the lung lesion ultimately determined that this was metastatic adenocarcinoma, and the patient was KRAS wild type. She was started on full fury and cetuximab. This treatment was reasonably well tolerated. She did have significant skin reaction, but that was successfully treated with doxycycline. And the patient had been experiencing some degree of difficulty with right upper quadrant discomfort, which had corresponded to her progressive hepatic metastasis. And after initiation with full fury, she had improvement in her pain syndrome. She had improvement in her overall performance status. Her pain began to recur just about two to three months ago, and she had radiographic evidence of progression. A full fury in cetuximab was discontinued, and the patient was started on capecitabine and bevacizumab. Her course had remained stable for several weeks, but then the patient came in about four weeks ago and she had difficulties of imbalance and headache. An MRI showed a small lesion that was of questionable significance in the frontal lobe. She was seen in consultation by radiation therapy. They opted to continue to monitor it. We did a repeat MRI just the other day, which shows stability, and she has not had any therapy for that frontal lobe lesion. At this time, she does not have any CNS complaints. She remains on capecitabine and off bevacizumab. I had stopped it after the initial MRI finding, and she has persistent difficulties of right upper quadrant pain. Her repeat CAT scans that we went over today showed that she has progressive disease both in the liver and the lung and in the mesentery. So really difficult situation in a young woman. Charlie, what are your thoughts about this case and also specifically about the brain lesion? You know, having looked at the MR, I am concerned that that lesion in the frontal lobe is a metastasis. You know, one can't say conclusively, but it certainly has that appearance. She is, at the moment, asymptomatic from it. She is interested in continuing systemic therapy. It's interesting. I think Phil had sort of given me a sense, and I through the conversation, I realized that I guess she's been somewhat non-compliant with visits. That is, she would occasionally call in and say she was not wanting to get chemo on any particular day, but given the circumstances, she seems far more motivated to do it. 
And, you know, we talked about the fact that she really has not demonstrated clear disease progression on oxaliplatin. In fact, I gather that there was an occasion when she had previously gotten oxali where she may have had what appeared to be a hypersensitivity reaction during the infusion. So we talked a little bit about what we do at the Farber with these individuals in terms of pre-medication with an H2 blocker and an antihistamine and a corticosteroid, and then infusing the oxali over a longer period of time, say five hours. She was receptive to that, so we did discuss the idea of getting back on a fluoroprimidine with oxali, and in fact, resuming the BEV with that. Anything else you want to say about her case, either one of you? No, I think we're just going to have to wait and see. It was a different attitude today. I mean, I think she's clearly confronted with the fact that she has advancing disease, and I think that she's far more committed to continuing with treatment right now than she had been. She had been pretty intermittently compliant over the last several months. What about her life situation, work, and attitude about this? She's got a real challenging situation. She lives with her mother right now. She has a wonderful son who's about to start college. He's the joy in her life, but she has very limited financial resources. She has no relationship with her now ex-husband. So that's created quite a strain, and she's had a huge problem dealing with her brother's stability. He's remained in an extended care facility since the time of that accident, and he was a big part of her life. So there's a couple more things I want to ask you about, and then we'll close out here. I'm kind of curious. I'll start out with Charlie. What was this like for you today to do this? I really enjoyed it. You know, you spend so much time practicing in your own individual center that, albeit we all go out and give talks at centers, and I've known Phil for years and always admired his practice, it's really neat to actually sort of roll up your sleeves and be in the office and see these patients and really have an opportunity to see what goes on. You know, I mean, I've known that Phil is an outstanding oncologist. You really get to see it firsthand, and you see the high-quality care that's given in his office. Phil, what was it like for you? I guess you did this once before with Dan Haller, so this is the second time. This is a spectacular experience. You know, I knew that I would be comfortable spending the day with Charlie because we have shared patients through the years. And we had three patients today that their course of treatment was changed based on this discussion. And that was enormously gratifying. And I mean, I just can't say enough about it, to tell you the truth. It was a great day.